You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. That POD stands for Pride of Detroit, in case you, you've always wondered and not known. I am your uh, interim coach, inter, interim interim <laughs> host, coach, coach host. Oh boy, off to a tough start. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, acting as host uh, for the moment. We'll see where that goes, where the future of the podcast goes, all that fun stuff um, with me this week. Mansoor Shaheen, Deputy Editor of Pride of Detroit, at Mansoor Shaheen on Twitter. Mansoor, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Yeah, Deputy Editor. I'm the like. I'm not interim anything. I'm just the Deputy Editor. I was <laughs> trying to think of a clever Deputy uh, Interim thing for me, but nope, there are none. Uh, well, I, I guess you would say you're an interim co-host at this point in this moment I guess. in time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for now. Um, and before we get started, I want to say um, Happy Thanksgiving. Give you the Dan Snyder welcome. Oh, what? I You didn't see that? Dan nope. Snyder started his <laughs> press conference uh, with hiring Ron Rivera by saying, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, he just, he's just lost. He just he's completely long lost. holiday. Oh, is he old? Is he like just losing it? Or is it just I don't know. like... <laughs> Whatever is going on, I'm enjoying it. Hopefully it's not something serious. But, uh, I just wanted to kick things off like that. Um, to give you guys a preview of what's going to happen today, what we're going to talk about, um, we're going to start talking about the Matt Patricia Presser. Um, we didn't really get a chance to do that in our midweek podcast too much. Um, I know it's kind of weak old news, but it's still something that I think uh, needs to be reacted to. Um, then we're going go to go into full off-season mode. You know, this is, I would say, technically our first official off-season podcast. So we're going to talk about the three most crucial decisions facing the Detroit Lions this off-season. And then we're going to end it with our mailbag, as always. And we're going to talk a little bit about the playoffs because we're recording this right after the, the, the wildcard round finished up. And it's a pretty entertaining week. So we're going to get into that in our, in our final segment. Uh, but let's, let's just get into it right now. Let's talk about the Bob Quinn presser um does it at the end of every year this year he did it right on monday got it out of the way before he did all his firings which is uh probably a calculated move i would imagine <laughs> um but i just uh Mansoor, maybe i just want to throw it to you right away um before i i go into my own little rant here uh what were your initial thoughts of, of the bob quinn presser and uh did it give you any faith uh towards the future of this franchise um Honestly, so like my faith in this regime was already like pretty low, but I feel like the presser kind of made it worse because, yeah. you know, like, like they, they could have even created a real bullshit excuse, but then they put, they tried the injury thing. I think it was, 
Mike Rothstein from ESPN who tweeted like they cited 16 players on IR being the reason they didn't make the playoffs, but they put like 12 of those players on IR after they had already missed the playoffs. Right. So they, they couldn't even make up a real excuse. They were just like, Oh shit. Like we suck. Like we're, we're screwed. So <laughs> they went to like the worst possible excuse. Cause even, even once Stafford went down, what I think the Raiders game is the last, last yep. game Stafford played. We yep. were like three, four, and one at that point. The That's playoffs right. were dead. Like we were three games out of the wild card race. So injuries are not a real excuse. And Bob Quinn couldn't even like make a real excuse. That's that's really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I do think in I if he would have just come out and said, you know what, we got the bad, you know, we got we were on the bad side of injuries this year. It really hurt some of our most crucial players and most crucial positions. I would have respected that a lot more than him going out and literally saying, listen, you know, fans don't deserve excuses. We're not going to give any excuses. Injuries aren't an excuse, but injuries, but. injuries, injuries, injuries. Like, I mean, injuries can be part of the excuse. I'm fine with that. I'm fine saying, hey, we didn't plan for our franchise quarterback to go down for eight games and, and be able to, to wear withstand that because our defense isn't where it's at. We didn't plan for half of our defensive line to start training camp on the NFI list or the pup list or whatever. Um, and all the offseason surgeries and, and we didn't plan on Deshaun hand missing 14 games or whatever it was like, that's fine. If you want to say that, say that just don't hide behind this. Like, Oh, we're going to do right by our fans and not blame injuries and then go ahead and blame injuries. Um, so yeah, I think that was a really bad take from Bob Quinn. And I think the thing that's disappointing to me about it is that he's usually very good and very honest in these postseason press conferences and I just didn't get that sense this year. And and also let's be clear, I mean the team was 312 and 1. There there weren't going to be any magic words that Bob Quinn says to make everything okay. He's probably going to get hammered for what he says no matter what he says. E- even if he were to come out and say, you know, injuries whatever or you know, we messed up. Even if he were to say like, "Hey, we messed up. I'm sorry. Uh we need to do better," which in a roundabout way he probably did say that. Um he just get hammered for saying What's this GM saying that he he sucks? Like, why should he? Why is he still around if he's he's even saying he sucks? There's, I mean, there's nothing he could say, right, to make this better. There's like nothing. I mean, there's nothing you could say that could like truly make it better. But I think like part of like what you said is that usually he's very forthcoming and like open, and he kind of takes accountability. Usually, he's usually just like, you know, like things went wrong, but also like there are no excuses. We need to do better. We're building something. Blah blah. He didn't even do that this time. Like not not really. Like he was mainly just that. That makes me think that like I don't know. As bad as they were in 2018, at least like publicly they were like, don't worry, we have a plan. Things are going to get better. This time they were just like shit like injuries happened yeah like we <laughs> you know like it's not like there's a plan injuries happened sorry like you know there there was no reassurance that things will get better right and, and i think sucks. you bring up a good a good point there about like it seemed like they had a plan last year this year it's hard to see that because they got asked a bunch of questions bob quinn got asked a bunch of questions like hey what went wrong i mean you guys were in every game this season pretty much outside of two you had all those fourth quarter leads what happened? And his answers were like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I did. You know, we had all those comebacks a couple of years ago and now we didn't this year. I don't know what, like say, say something literally like his answer was, Oh, that, you know, that's the million dollar question or, you know, <laughs> we're going to look into that. It's like, haven't you been looking like it happened? The same thing happened every time. And he kind of went off of this thing. Like, Oh, well, you know, sometimes it was special teams. Sometimes it was this. Some, no, no. 
it was your bad defense almost every time not being able to hold the lead. It's your inability to run the game early, run the ball early in the season. So you couldn't run out any clock on offense. It, I mean, it was, it was the same story every week. It, and it, I don't feel like either he knows and he's not telling, or he just wasn't paying attention. Right. I I think the, the excuse he kind of gave were like, Oh, some weeks it was this, some weeks this. that's probably worse than like just saying it was the defense's fault. Right. But I guess saying the defense's fault would kind of throw Patricia under the bus. Yeah. But like, if he's like, yeah, no, the defense really struggled and we really need to do better there and work harder and get better players, blah, blah, blah. That at least is like, we have identified the issue and that's what we're working on. But if he's like, you know, every week something else sucked. It's like, well, <laughs> everything's a problem. Then, huh? Like, right. you know, like they, Saying the defense, I guess he he's not going to say it because he can't throw. That's Patricia's thing. He can't throw Patricia right. under the bus, I assume. Right. So he won't say it. But if he had said that, at least it's like, this is the very clear issue. And if we solve this issue, this team can compete. But what he did was throw the blame everywhere, which is like, oh, everything is an issue. And we are so far away from competing. Like it, it made things worse. Or, yeah. in, or in my mind, it makes things look worse. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the word reassurance. There was no reassurance in this press conference at all. And I, I the, the last point I want to bring up about the press conference is the whole foundation thing is that they're building a foundation. They have a foundation. Um, but when when pushed in as to like uh, any evidence of a foundation, any evidence that this team has has built something that, that they can now build upon. And, and potentially be a, a true contender next year. His example was week 17, where they had a bunch <laughs> of practice squad guys out there and they competed with a, a, a playoff Packers team and took them to the brink and probably should have won, but didn't. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say to that. Are you kidding me? You're telling me a week 17 game. Like, I understand the Packers are good. I understand you took them to the brink, but. I mean that. If I if you want victory. me to really look back in that game, half the reason the Lions were in that game was because Aaron Rodgers was airmailing every other throw. I don't it, think it, they did anything particularly good on defense in that game, and offensively, okay, you ran the ball pretty well. That's that's great, but you didn't put the game away like you hadn't in the previous ten games. I mean, it was the same. It, it was the same thing. It was a microcosm of the entire season. The Lions were able to run the ball a bunch. Early on, they they were able to get out to an early lead. They won the first quarter like they have pretty much every single game this year. And then they fell apart once they realized, like, you can't keep up that sort of thing against a team that's a lot better than you. Yeah. And that's your foundation? That's your foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, like, I guess that's what I was going to say. Like, he... That game is the same script as every other game. Took an early lead, blew it, lost. And yeah, we were only winning because Rogers was already thinking about his first round by. Like he was checked out. He didn't <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> he was so ready to just like sleep for a week or whatever. Do do you think there is a foundation to this team? Do you think that Matt Patricia has taken and whether it's a culture foundation or a talent foundation, do you think there's something <clears throat> worth building on that that could really escalate this team in in twenty twenty? No, I mean, like, I guess, like, I was going to think about it, but I guess, no, the answer is it's probably, like, look at our defense right now. The defensive line was supposed to be this, like, big standout, best one of the best groups in the league. And I understand, like, injuries, but we're going to lose, like, Mike Daniels probably isn't coming back. I can't imagine resigning him. And he maybe wants to if he, come back. Yeah, 
but do we I do we want him and can he still produce at a high level? Snacks is regressed. Deshaun Hand, even if he does come back, then like he's him him alone isn't enough to really like bolster interior defensive line. Ashawn, he can go. I don't care. Linebackers are all bad. We have one really top level player in our secondary and he's gone. So like where you have to rebuild basically an entirely new defense around Trey Flowers, which is like not a fun like we have nothing. We have Trey Flowers. Yeah, that's it. I would say the foundation that they think they have is is surrounded by Trey Flowers, maybe Deshaun Hand, <laughs> Jared Davis. Jared I Davis, think is someone yeah. that they probably think is a foundational piece, along with Jelani Tavai and then Tracy Walker. I know they're they're really high on, and I think they should be. I think mm-hmm. Tracy oh, yeah. Walker Him too, right yeah. now Probably. is is the most promising defensive player, young defensive player that the team has. Um. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Darius Slay. I think at this point, we, we actually we'll, we'll get to that a little bit in the mailbag. But defensively speaking, the foundation is shaky at best. The, there are some players, there are some playmakers um, that that could take you know big. I think we talk a lot about year one to year two jumps. I think there's also a year two to year three jump, and so Tracy Walker and Deshaun Hand, you know, certainly qualify there. Um, I'm, I'm full on out on Jared Davis. I love the guy, (laughs) but I think, I think at this point we can see him for who he is. And then, yeah, I think Jelani Tavai is is the other key piece. And I know they like Jelani Tavai a lot. Obviously they spent a second round pick on him. Um, but he needs to take a a pretty hefty step. If, uh, if this linebacking core is really going to look like what it needs to next year. And then even on offense, I feel like we had a foundation, but it's like crumbling apart. Our offensive line, uh, like Lang is gone. Wagner is probably going to be gone soon. Glasgow might have a foot out the door. So we have yeah. Ragnow. And if we re-signed, I mean, I feel like we, we're going to re-sign Decker. But like, so we have what Ragnow and Decker. Stafford's not getting younger. Jones might be a cap cut even. Your flag or banner of pod no, drops. There's uh, the foundation <laughs> crumbling right there. There's, there's the foundation crumbling. And then, so it's really Galladay, Ragnow, Decker, and then an aging Stafford who might retire if his body gets beat up enough in the next few years. Don't, don't like that's, even say that, that's sir. That's a thing that could don't happen. Don't even say that. Yeah. Like, I feel like we have like only real, we only really have like five or six players that are like genuinely good. So, like, we have so much to build if we want to compete. You know what? Let's, let's run through who we think are foundational players that could be around this team for the long term and, and see if we can count them all on one hand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got think... Tracy Walker. Let's start there. Agreed? <laughs> yep. Uh, then we have Flowers. Then we'll we count have... Tracy Flowers. How... Yeah. 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 I mean, he's yeah, only, now. what, 27 now? And he's, we have for at least four more years. Like on his contract, or three more. Years uh, yeah, he signed a five-year deal, so he's got four more. Okay. So he's around for a while. Yeah. Um, hand, if Hand stays healthy, and also sure. Walker, like I feel like his PFF grade super inflated. I don't. He's fine. He's a fine player, but I his PFF grade is very high for who he is. Ragnell, good. Decker, yep. if again, if he can stay healthy, that's another like huge if. Yeah. Stafford, Galladay, and that's it. Stafford. So yeah, so we're at about seven there, and and we even have a couple asterisks there. Yeah, maybe I, I think maybe you throw T- Tavai in there. He's a the second. Okay, round yeah, round. yeah. Um, that's assuming yeah. Tavai gets good. Like, I mean, he's right. fine now, but like that's assuming that he becomes a good player. Because if he's as right. good as Jared Davis, then he's not a core player either. Yeah. 
And I don't think you throw Joe Dahl in there, even though you gave him an extension. Oh, yeah. if, you throw, if you throw Joe Dahl in there, you probably have to throw Christian he, Jones. He, and if Christian Jones <laughs> is part of your foundation, then we're in big trouble yeah. here. If, if Joe Dahl is your long-term answer at guard, like beyond just being like a rotational guy or just like a guy that's around for depth, then like I feel like that's a problem in yeah. itself. I guess in, in Detroit, the Detroit Lion on in our Twitch chat says Will Harris on that list as well. Possibly. Didn't have a great if, rookie year. If he learns how to play, yeah. But again, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got the physical tools to do it. Just didn't do it this year. And, you know, he's a rookie, whatever. But um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It was, uh, it was a rough year. It was a rough press conference for, for Bob Quinn. I certainly didn't come away feeling any better about this team than I did going in. I just think, I don't know. I I usually come away kind of reinvigorated after a Bob Quinn press conference, especially after a bad year like this. I was hoping to to hear something, anything, and and words don't really mean that much at this point in the season. But um, I don't know. It was it was a bit of a bummer, and I thought John Neo of the Detroit News had a really good article about how much of a bummer it was, and the Athletic, Nick Baumgartner, and and Chris Burke also had a nice conversation about it. And I, I have to feel the same. It was just it was not something that really gives you a lot of hope for the future. And and that's something that we, you know, say what you will about Matt Patricia's first year, five and 11, they finished strong. Their defense looked turned around. Um, Bob Quinn had a, a, a good postseason press conference. There was a lot of optimism going into 2019. And I, I can't see that sort of thing happening again this year. Like I know the Lions have a third overall pick and whoever the Lions pick there is going to bring a lot of optimism and excitement. Um, maybe they make a splash or two, but I, I just don't think this team has dug itself out of the pit of despair that, that it ended the season with. And I don't think anything they can do will really dig them that far out. Like, like any time in the off season, you're going to get people to be optimistic going into 2020 because that's just how they are. That's how the off season works. You get new players and you get excited, but they're, they're in a deep hole right now, a deep, deep hole. And I don't think Bob Quinn did them any favors. Yeah, all the improvements they should like what you mentioned, all the improvements they showed at the end of the 2018 season, like that's what made us so optimistic heading in 2019. They weren't around. I mean, I guess our run defense eventually got good in 2019, but like that was the big thing. Like, oh, like our run defense went from one of the league's worst to one of the league's best. Uh, Stafford was kind of getting in a groove towards the end of the year after a rough start. So it was like, okay. And then, and then we had like Trey Flowers on top of that. And it was like, okay, like we, this, we could be decent. And then all of that just disappeared. Stafford didn't. He played amazingly. But like the run defense was bad. The pass defense somehow got worse. It was just a mess. Yep. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. Thank you, chat. We forgot about TJ Hawkinson. Oh, yeah. Again, yeah. But he, he also falls into the Will Harris category, as, as chat's saying, that he also if, needs if to he's going to be good. If he's yeah. going to be good. And I think he's going to be good. So uh, that he, my apologies. This is why we do these live chats now, so that when we forget something, for the for the people that are listening at home, we we correct ourselves in time for you guys to hear it. Cause you guys are probably yelling at your radios or whatever you call them these days. I'm an old man. Yo, Anyways, we, we need to get Chris to do audio editing again. So we can clip it in to say we, to make it sound like we said TJ Hawkinson from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for our first uh, segment. When we come back, we are going to talk about those, the off season. We're going to talk about the moves that are going to define this team's off season. The most important things that they need to do to turn around the franchise to bring a little optimism back to Detroit and maybe even put together a good 2020 season. So stick around. We'll be right back after this break.
And we are back with the POD cast talking about the Lions offseason. It's our first official offseason podcast where we're getting into it. We just talked about the Bob Quinn presser. Now it's time to talk about getting into the offseason. The Lions have, I would say, a pretty important offseason uh, for this regime. Uh, got a top three pick, got a, a semi ultimatum that you got to win now. Uh, already some coaching changes made. So we are going to talk about what we think are the top three offseason decisions facing this Detroit Lions team. And let's just get right into it. Mansoor, we're going we're gonna to break it down one at a time. So give me your number three most important decision facing this Detroit Lions team this offseason. Just say all three or just jump? Just give me number three. Only number three. Oh, okay. Number three would be uh, Jared Davis's like fifth-year option, like what we do with that. So mm-hmm. he just played his third season. Weird NFL rule before his fourth year, they have to decide whether they want the fifth-year option on his rookie deal. I imagine they will take it because like Quinn and Quinn's a kind of person who like likes his guys and Jared Davis seems like a Patricia guy and we extended Christian Jones so despite what I might think they are clearly happy with the linebacker play for some reason but (laughs) I think I think there is a chance I guess maybe like motivate him they like reject it you know like they're like oh we're gonna pass on it and now you're in a contract year Jared so like get your shit together and play good football. And Jared Davis, I mean, if, if the things that I've heard about his personality are true, he seems like someone who's like super, super motivated. Yeah. So I'm not sure how adding the contract year thing on top of this. I don't think it's like an effort thing. I don't think he's not trying, but that could be like a mind game type thing. You know, like we're going to reject your fifth year option. Now you're in a contract year and you're essentially playing for your NFL career now. So show us what you have, but who knows? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting storyline that I don't think anyone has picked up yet, really, because it, it is kind of emblematic of where this team is heading in the future. Are they going to continue to get these kind of like high character guys that put in a bunch of effort that are just the kind of like personalities that they want in the locker room, but just kind of mediocre talent? Or do they say, you know what, we missed on this one. Let's let's go try again next year. Um, the one thing I will say is with those fifth year options is that they're kind of I don't know. The decision is is kind of not really until next year. Like you can, you can say like, okay, we'll give you your fifth year option, but then you can just cut them before it actually, that's what they did with Eric Ebron and it didn't cost him anything. You know, none of the, none of the fifth year option is guaranteed. It's a, it's a completely off the books if, if you cut them type of deal. So, so why, why don't teams just always accept it? Yeah. I just, yeah, no, I I remember we did that to Ebron. Like some teams, you'll sometimes we'll get the headline. We're like, Jaguars reject fifth year, you know, like whatever team rejects fifth year option, and yeah. it's just like they're really just being a dick. <laughs> kind of <laughs> like, like <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe they're doing what you said and, and just trying to give them a yeah. little extra motivation, saying like, "Listen, we don't like what we've seen out of you out of your first three years. This fourth year better be great, or you know, you're gone." Um, I, I think it, yeah, it, it to me, I think they do it. I think it. It makes sense to do it. Also, it, it just gives them that extra year to kind of make the decision where they can be like, all right, well, we got this fifth year in our pocket. If, if his fourth year is good and we don't necessarily, if his fourth year is really good, we don't necessarily have to give him a huge extension. We can have him right out of his fifth year. And if his fifth year is crappy again, then we'll, then we'll just let him go and not be stuck with him for a, an additional extension. But um, yeah, it, it's something that I haven't really thought about. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up for your number three. My number three. And you might think this one is higher based on, you know, how you build a team, but building the rest of the coaching staff, I think is, is my number three Um, defensive coordinator hires, obviously big, but not that big 
considering we all know who's going to be running the defense anyways. Um, you talk about like offensive line coach. We talked about this a little bit in the midweek podcast with Kentley Platty. I think the offensive line coach just might be an internal hire. They have an offensive line coach assistant who didn't get fired, Hank Fraley. I think he probably just gets promoted and, and everything else is just kind of filling in seats here and there. And obviously your strength and conditioning coach is going to be important. I don't know how much of that you really put on them for, for blaming all the injuries this year. I think that's kind of a scapegoat move. I think there's a lot of things that factor into why this team was injured. Um, strength, a strength and conditioning coach hire is not really going to get me very excited. And I don't think is that important in the overall scheme of things. So, well, obviously I, I think obviously this is an important move. Um, I just don't expect anything to necessarily wow me. And that's why it's my, only my number three on my list. Um, so my number two is, I guess, like we're talking about free agency before the break. And can should we spend big on a defensive end in free agency? Because mm-hmm. we're going to probably miss out on Chase Young. Uh, and I think the next biggest defensive end prospect in the draft is AJ Epinesa out of Iowa, but he's probably like a 10 to 15 range from what I've seen. So unless we trade back, we're probably not going to take a defensive end in the draft, but it's still going to be a huge need. So should we give huge money to a defensive end? We just did that with Trey flowers. And I mean, a defensive end or a Jack, like either, right. either like a pass rusher of some sort. We are, we just gave Trey flowers all that money. And as good as he is, we still need like a, I feel like an ACE pass rusher. Trey flowers really isn't that he's more of like a versatile Swiss army knife guy. He's probably better defending the run than he is rushing the passer. So, and do, does Matt Patricia want a pass rusher? I guess that's another thing. Like, I feel like having an ace pass rusher would work really well with his thing where he hates blitzing. Because if if we have a guy like Demarcus Lawrence or Chase Young or someone on the edge who can just kill people one on one, we don't need to even send blitzes if he can just constantly generate pressure. But I mean, we, we saw with the Vikings today, right? Like they were just yeah. destroying Drew Brees, sending four, sending four. So like, it seems like that's a good way to to build a defense. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pass rushing, huh? <laughs> Fun thing. Yeah. But yeah, but also like, do we want to obviously put that much money into one position? It's a very important position, but that's still like 90 million on flowers, 80 to 90 million other guy. That's that's so much money. Is there is there a guy, I know you spoiled in, in the, uh, during our break that, that you're working on a potential targets uh, on the edge. Is there someone necessarily that you're, you're eyeing that would be a good fit that might be in consideration? So honestly, like, no, um, all the, all the, uh, all the guys that this free agent class is a lot like shallower than last year's. I think mm-hmm. Jadavian Clowney will be the big name, mm-hmm. but, and he would be a pretty big get, but even him, his sack, I'm not, I don't watch Seahawks week to week, but I'm pretty sure he's been playing well, but his sack numbers are super low this season. And then other than him, I think the next biggest names are like Shaq Barrett, who we don't know if he's going to be able to continue this level of play. Long term, right. I think like Ziggy Ansa is going to be a free agent again. If that's what <laughs> you want to do, uh, Marcus Golden from the Giants, but oh, he's another one like Barrett, where it's like, can he keep this up? Like right. he really had a standout year, but is this going to be a thing that continues? So there, it really isn't a Trey Flowers of this class, I guess Clowney, but yeah. And I, and, I think one yeah. thing you also have, I feel like at this point in the offseason, we're all eyeing the best edge rushers, and like, ooh, wouldn't it be nice? And then comes to free agency and all those guys have been franchise tagged by the time you get there. Oh, yeah. like edge rusher is almost always the one thing. Like, I think they did it to Demarcus Lawrence last year. And just, I feel like every time it's like, Ooh, that guy would be great. It's just like, oh, never even makes it to free agency. We just wasted two months of our time speculating and, and daydreaming about him coming to Detroit. 
I think I think Clowney and Onset would have to. I mean, like they could tag him, tag them one yeah. or the other, but they would like it would be so expensive. They're basically bound to hit the market. Also, yeah. Shaq Barrett, isn't there a weird thing where like if you want to franchise tag someone, you have to have a certain amount of? Can you franchise tag someone off a one year deal? I don't. I, I'm just thinking of the wrong sport, maybe. But like, I, <laughs> I think I, you are, but I I'd right. have to look into that. I haven't really yeah. thought about that. All right, off to my number two. Um, there are two and we've already kind of alluded to them two looming decisions on the offensive line that are, that are obviously very important. Graham Glasgow his uh, his expiring contract. And then Taylor Decker is also entering his fifth year option. So he's, they've already exercised his fifth year option. They're going to have to make decision if they want to extend him beyond that. And I think more than people have given it credit for those decisions are linked a little bit. Um, left tackle money is expensive. So if the Lions like Taylor Decker and he certainly finished the, the season strongly, um, that's going to cost them a lot. And that might impact their ability or their their want to to extend Graham Glasgow. And, and we've all read the reports. We've all seen what Graham Glasgow said and um, the feeling that we're getting from the front office that it just doesn't seem like the team is that interested in extending Graham Glasgow. I think part of that might have to do with their intentions of, of extending Taylor Decker. Um, that being said, this team started to click on the offensive line this year. I thought they played a lot better, which is kind of why the fact that they fired their offensive line coordinator or offensive line coach, Jeff Davidson, uh, was a bit surprising to me. The run game started to get going. I think Matthew Stafford did was fairly protected all year. I know he got injured, but that's kind of a crude way to, he scrambled on that play. It was kind of his own fault. Um, but Overall, overall, I just thought the offensive line looked good this year, and I would be okay with them returning really all five starters. The one weak link, I really think, in in the whole chain, and the Lions might face a decision with him too this offseason, is, is Rick Wagner. Um, he hasn't been playing particularly well. He's certainly not playing up to his contract, and he's finally at a point in that contract where the Lions could get out of it, I think, and, and save a, a handful of money. Uh, but... It just I, the way everything is trending right now, it looks like they're going to blow things up a little bit. And if that's the case, they're going to have to have some corresponding moves to inspire some confidence that this team can stay um, competitive on offense because it was the one thing that was really going for them in 2020 or 2019. Yeah. And also, like, as we talk about Rick Wagner, Rick Wagner, what, 2017, we signed him, I believe. I think, and it was like a yeah, huge right. deal. I think, like, at the time, the highest for right tackle in the NFL, yeah. like, all that stuff. And he really hasn't. I mean, he's been he was he's been fine. Like he's been really good at some points and really bad in others. But it's just so hard to hit on free agent offensive linemen because yeah. no one ever, no team is dumb enough to let their good offensive line right. hit the free market. So, I guess like you mentioned Glasgow, like we should not let him hit the free. Like let's not be the team dumb enough to let Graham Glasgow hit the free market. He's genuinely like a top ten guard in the NFL. I think. And we sh- we shall end up even Decker. Decker's injuries have been a problem. He's been super inconsistent, not as inconsistent as Wagner, but he's been like hit or miss. But he's definitely too good to hit the free market because if they either of them hit the free market, they're going to get paid. So, and we don't have the money to really pay someone else. And it's not like there's going to be a player as good as Glasgow on the market. And we're not going to spend a draft pick high enough to get a player as good as Glasgow or Decker. So we have to do everything, specifically Glasgow, because this is his contract or this is his free agent year. We yeah. have to do everything we can to keep him. So I don't, I don't know why we aren't making him feel wanted or whatever, <laughs> like whatever that was. 
Yeah, I, it's it's a really really weird situation, and it just kind of it, it looks like the Lions just don't want to be the team that spends a lot on their interior guys, their guards. They got Joe Dahl at a really discounted rate, and it looks like their intention is to make him a starter at that rate. And so I do at this point, it it, it really seems like they're trending in a way where they're going to draft a guard. They're going to draft a guard in the third, the fourth round and intend on starting him right away and, and go the cheap route because they probably want to spend on left tackle. They probably want to eventually spend at center. I, they obviously really like rag now. Um, I think he's one of those foundational pieces we were talking about and that's it. Maybe they'll spend on a right tackle again if, if they find one. Um, but it, to me, it just seems like maybe they don't value guard that much. And I think that might be a mistake. That's interesting for a team that wants to run as much like, right. You know, like the, like the yeah. Titans, I I mean, I made the comparison on Twitter earlier today, but I think yesterday too, it's become like a joke even on my Twitter that the Titans are essentially the, what the Lions are trying to be in, mm-hmm. in a way, like a team that yeah. runs the ball, plays possession football, strong defense, has a literal Patriots linebackers guy playing <laughs> as head coach, you know, like yep. we're their AFC version of us. And they signed a, oh my God, Rams guy, Roger, uh, Roger Saffold, right? Mm-hmm. And like yeah. that that changed their offense, a guard. And it's like, so we have two good interior offensive linemen right now. Why would we let one leave? Like if this, if we want this to be our identity, this team that can run between the tackles, play possession football and just beat you up with like tough physical football, we need guards and we have, we need interior offensive linemen and we have two. So like, don't let one of them leave. I would, I would rather have Glasgow than Decker, honestly, like, like truly, like, I mean, like Glasgow has been a better player at his position and he's he more positions. available. Yeah. And he has multiple positions That's and he's more available. Yep. Like I'd rather yep. have Glasgow than Decker. So like, I, I mean, I would, I think we have the money to keep both long-term and we should, but if it would, it comes down to keep one or the other, it's, I feel like it's Glasgow. Well, I think it's clear that the lines don't feel the they, same. They don't think that. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get. I think I think we've kind of already talked about your number one, but let's talk about yeah. your number one if we haven't. So my number one is Graham Glasgow. <laughs> let's. What are What are we gonna do about Graham Glasgow? So yeah, like I think I think that is by far the most important thing for the Lions' soft season. And I also, I mean, people are talking about it, but I also think it's like super underrated how important it is yeah. to like this team, our identity, the fact that if we we're not gonna spend a third over pick on a guard, that's not gonna happen. So if we let Glasgow walk, the best player on the free agent market is going to be Graham Glasgow. So why let him walk? You know, like if he, if you're in that situation, you fucked up. Same thing in a with that year we cut Ebron. We cut Ebron, and the best tight end on the market was Eric Ebron, right. and we couldn't replace him. So yeah, it's it's a it's like franchise altering decision, honestly. Like what we do with Glasgow. Well, okay, then let me like since you seem to be quite high on Glasgow, what? What sort of deal are you willing to pay for him? How many, like, how much a year? Um, okay, I don't have, I, I don't have the guard like market in front of me. <laughs> I, did, but, I, I think, I think a lot of people are saying like he could get up to ten, eleven, twelve million a year. Whereas, yeah, I think, like he, he'll he'll get like Brandon, him and Brandon Sheriff. Oh, if, mm-hmm. okay, the red they might be stupid too. Washington might let Brandon Sheriff walk, <laughs> so right. that, that would be the that would be the like other dumb team, but. Even Sheriff, he has more injury problems in Glasgow, right? Like he's he's yeah. super injury prone. He's older, like. But yeah, so it would it would probably be like nearing the double digits. But it's it's more just like salary cap doesn't. I guess like how do I say it? money itself doesn't win you games. It's what you do with the money. And like, yeah. is is there a better way to spend that 
if, let's say we get a second tier guard and he only costs five million instead of twelve million from Glasgow. Is there a better way to spend that seven million that won't that will provide the team more like value than just giving Graham Glasgow the money? Like yeah. unless we can take that money and place it elsewhere, and that the players we sign with that money will do more for the team than the difference in Glasgow and a second tier guard, then we might as well just give Glasgow the money because the money itself doesn't win you games; it's the players and. Yeah, Glasgow's a good player. That's him, you know. That's you know that's that's a really good point of of where would you spend that money elsewhere? And I think a lot of people would say like, oh, we'll just spend it on defense. That's obviously the, the side of the ball that you need a lot more help on. But again, it's it's not you can't just throw money at a problem and be like, okay, that's mm-hmm. fixed. Like the Lions tried that this off season, right? They they got mm-hmm. they spent a ton of money on Trey Flowers. They spent a ton of money on on Justin Coleman. Uh, you know, they, they found another CB2 that, that wasn't worth it. And you got, you got what you got. Mm-hmm. The 31st ranked defense in, in just about every metric. Um, which is why my number one is just how they spend that third overall pick. Um, whether they, I think, and, and everyone thinks this every single year, I think trading down is, is a very smart option here. We've seen, a team trade down or trained up one spot in the top five. And and sometimes it's an embarrassment of riches. Sometimes you can get two or three or four more picks out of just moving a couple spots when you're this high in the draft. That's obviously my first priority there because um, I think you can move down to five or six and really still get a very high blue chip player while picking up a couple extra guys that can make immediate impact. And you know, this front office is looking for guys that are going to make an immediate impact. And so trading down is one big option or stay there and, and get a blue chip almost can't miss player. Get, um, you know, whether Chase Young falls down there, which I don't think it's going to happen, or you grab a top corner, or if you have to grab a, a top offensive tackle, um, you, you're, you need to land someone huge. This is the one thing that Bob Quinn hasn't really been able to do since he's gotten here, and that's land a huge blue chip guy in the first round. The closest he've got, he's gotten is Frank Rag now. Everything else has just been like, well, he could be good. If, you know, give him a couple of years, he could be good. No, you need a guy who's just going to come in there. He's going to be in the offense or the defensive rookie of the year conversation for the entire season. And there, there can't even be a question about exercising this guy's yeah. fifth year option. He needs to be a franchise player for this team going forward for a long time. And does that mean a lot for 2020? Maybe not. I mean, maybe you get, like I said, you, you're, you're getting an instant impact guy, but is it going to transform your team from 312 and 1 to, to 10 and 6 by itself? Of course not. Um, but you got to get a high impact player. You got to take advantage of, of a rare instance like this with a top three pick, and you, you got to nail it. Rare. Hopefully, Hopefully rare. Hopefully rare instance. But, uh, <laughs> but even for a bad franchise <laughs> like the Lions, it still hasn't happened to Beyonce. So it's not, yeah. it's not that common. <laughs> But uh, I think interesting wrinkle about trading down um, the Nick Saban and Tua, or I don't know, they didn't offic- someone officially announced that they're doing a press conference together yeah. this week, which yeah. usually means Tua is going to, I mean, not confirmed. This is still speculation, but generally when that happens, it's because like the players doing a press conference with the college, not because he's leaving the college, you know, he's, right. he's probably going to stay, which kind of hurts our ability to trade down because there's only two real premier quarterback prospects. One's going to be gone at pick one, which means that teams are going to be less likely to want to like pay a large sum to trade up to three. So or they may be we're more desperate. 
I mean, like, oh, we got to get the one guy remaining on the board. Got to get Justin Herbert, the <laughs> second probable day two talent. Like, yeah, like, God, like, like, I mean, there, there's really, there's really no, assuming the Bengals take Burrow, there's really no one, I feel like teams be willing to pay a huge, like, premium to get, to grab at three now. So that really hurts our trade down, like, prospects. I think, so. yeah, I mean, if, if that's what happens, I think anytime any big prospect at this point decides they're going back, it's going to hurt the lines no matter what position, but especially at quarterback. So we'll see how that decision plays out. Um, obviously, we don't know at this point. I don't, does it happen Monday? I, 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 I think, I, I, I don't know why Tuesday came to mind immediately, but yeah, Monday yeah. would make more sense, but, but it, it if, is this if week. If it happened by the time you're listening to this, then ignore everything we just said, and <laughs> you're right, and speculated right, and then you, yeah. can, you can send Mansoor a nice message on Twitter or something. Nice. <laughs> All right, with that, I think we're going to wrap our second segment up. When we come it's back... It's Monday, Monday at noon. Monday. Got it. Okay, so there's a good chance by the time you've listened to this, <laughs> you will already know. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to address some more stuff from you. We're going to hit up our mailbag, talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs, Darius Slay, a whole bunch of other fun stuff like Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. That's coming up in our mailbag next. time hashtag ask pod uh anytime you have a question you can hit us up on twitter using that hashtag um we'll see it throughout the week um obviously the closer to sunday you throw it in there the the higher it'll be up on our priority list then we're also returning the the ask pod uh thread on pride of detroit i'm going to try to get that up every friday so you'll be able to, if you don't have Twitter, you can throw it in our comment section in that post on Fridays. I'm also going to return the written mailbag. So everything overflowing from that mailbag will be now written. Uh, I'll answer via written form as well. So without, with that, all that out of the way, let's get into this week's mailbag. And I'm going to start with my own question because like I promised, we were going to do a little playoff talk. Mansoor, what was your favorite moment from a pretty eventful wildcard weekend? Favorite moment. Um, hmm. Damn. I guess like, so from a pure football standpoint or like, a, I think this is funny standpoint. I guess. Okay. Give me one of each. First, fine. Give me one of each. The Ryan Tannehill throwing that 10 yard out against the Patriots for the first down. Like, like that was like, I jumped up. I've never been more excited for like a 10 yard <laughs> quick pass before. I was like, oh my God. Like this is because like happened. I've. I feel like a very underrated storyline. I I like wrote about it not for pod for like a different thing. Yeah. But like, is that the, the people who killed the Patriots dynasty were the Miami dolphins being them week 17. And then the quarterback they drafted to, you know, back in 2012 with the goal of killing, like it, it worked out. It happened. Like weirdly enough, all these twists and turns of this story, these two killed the Patriots. Like that, that's crazy. So that was like my, like, good football dramatic moment i yeah. think like the my favorite moment was the vikings touchdown which i know like a lot of people in the chat are going to be 
happy or bad this Vikings won, but yeah. I don't know. The Saints losing on another controversial pass interference is like perfect. Like they deserve it yeah. after all the all the dumb stuff about last year's. It just happens again. What are you going to do? You lost again. <laughs> no, I, that was going to be my one funny moment as well. Just the irony of them finally getting the rule that they complained about all off season, and then the rules there for them to use, and the NFL's like, nope, we're going to still. <laughs> not call an obvious offensive pass interference. What rule are you going to change now? Yeah. What are you going to do now? You're going to make holding reviewable now (laughs) that miserable thing and then get screwed by a holding call in next year's playoff. It was so great because if, if anyone is aware of my presence or my thoughts on pass interference being reviewable, I absolutely hate it. And the fact that the saints got screwed by it just makes me so happy. I hope they get rid of it now because it shouldn't be reviewable because it is so subjective. And even if 99 people on Twitter think it's pass interference, the one person that doesn't is going to be the guy in the booth and he's not <laughs> going to overturn. It, so screw you guys. Uh, I would say my one like genuine, um, like definitely hop out of my seat moment was the Deshaun Watson. They're not, it wasn't even a touchdown. Oh, yeah. It was the spinning out of the sack. The two guys that have him had him wrapped up finds the guy underneath. He goes for 30, 40 yards and essentially sets up the game winning field goal. Uh, what an amazing moment. I I'd been bagging a little bit on Deshaun Watson that game. Um, I admittedly haven't been watching a lot of the, the Texans this year and he just, I don't know. He looked bad in the first half. He didn't look like he had his wits about him. I know his offensive line wasn't ha- helping him at all. Um, but then he pulled off that play and, and kind of showed why everyone is understandably very excited about him and should be. And, I took a lot of slack on on Twitter from people that pulled up that tweet from the first half, but uh, to me it was worth it. Like I, this is what I live for in the in the playoffs is just moments like that that you might not ever forget. Um, and in that guy's young career, uh, that's going to be a play he certainly never forgets. Yeah, I think like Watson, the the narrative around him is always interesting because he's he's a very very good player who makes a lot of highlight plays, but like he does have some glaring flaws that whenever you point out people are like, Oh, you're a hater. And it's like, no, he's not, he's not perfect. He's, you know, <laughs> he definitely, he, he, he's a, he, he's like Kyler Murray, but a little bigger. Like he just, yeah. just runs around for no reason. Like, please stop, sit, stand still. Deshaun. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> and Cordy brings up another fun moment. And that, I mean, that was just Josh Allen's entire game was, was very interesting because he was also <laughs> all over the damn place. In that lateral, holy crap! Oh man, where he just decided the... like, oh, we're we're about to win or tie the game. I don't remember the situation mm-hmm. exactly. Let me just lateral and put everything in jeopardy for a second. I think the drive right before that, it was like third and fourth down. He lost like ten yards each oh, on sacks. Were... <laughs> he like ran ten, turned his back to the line of scrimmage, ran ten yards backwards, and got sacked. It's like, what are you doing? Like what? <laughs> He'll he'll learn from it, but yeah, that was yeah. that was an interesting playoff debut for Josh Allen. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to some some viewer, listener, reader questions. Um, let's start with with a simple one. Favorite movie of 2019? Ask Mickey Free. Favorite movie of 2019? Hmm. I I don't. I mean, I watch movies, but like, I don't think I've seen a lot from 2019. Yeah, uh, I saw Endgame. I saw others from 2019. I saw The Irishman. I didn't like it. So maybe okay. end game. So maybe end game. I I don't go to theaters. I don't go to theaters often. Oh, Detective Pikachu was this year, right? That sounds right. Sure. Yeah. 
So Detective Pikachu, definitely that. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fact check you here. Detective I'm pretty sure I watched. I watched it in theaters this summer. Yeah, that and Endgame are the only two things I watched in a theater this year, or last year. I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I do watch a lot of movies, but this year was a year in which I didn't watch a ton. Um, I didn't. See, I don't think I went to the movies once in 2019. But the one movie that I did see that was good, it didn't blow me away like it blew some other people away. It was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Good movie. I, I I need to watch that. Yeah, I've heard very very good things. I've heard the ending is like insane. Oh, there we go. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Chris in our chat. He he's I he has the same answer oh. as me, but I I insulted it. On my oh, that's way to Chris. It like our answer. Chris. Hello, Chris. I believe so. Perfect game. Yeah, perfect game. Yeah. Missy, buddy. Uh, All right, let's go to the next question since we were bad at that one. Um, This was an interesting question that I hadn't thought about. Son of Spartacus asks, how do you think the looming CBA, uh, expiring CBA, will affect free agency this year? So this this year is the last one, right? 2020 is the last year, I think, on the existing collective bargaining agreement. We could potentially be facing a a lockout in 2021. How's that going to affect free agency? Do you think maybe players will be more interested in just like, so how, okay. So if a player signs like a five-year deal and then a lockout happens there, they don't, they only get the first year. Like let's say the NFL locks on 2021 and never comes back. That's obviously a far-fetched. I mean, that's like a right. far, but like, you know, like what if that happened? Yeah. Does the player, if the player had, they still get their full guaranteed contract. Cause that's why teams have to put it into an escrow account. Cause that was the thing with the Raiders. They couldn't afford Khalil Mack guaranteed money like they literally did not have the cash to afford it because they have to put in like a special escrow account that if the nfl dies or locks out or the raiders fold khalil mack legally still owed that money so the nfl has an account to pay that so i think players will go all out for guaranteed money right because like bonuses where they get that money Mm -hmm. right away it's like front end money or just guaranteed money because like anything that like you know like if you sign a four-year deal worth 80 million dollars but then the nfl locks out and you only had 20 million guaranteed on that and let's say the nfl locks out for a year you missed a year of salary unless all that money is guaranteed in which you took it you i think you get it from the escrow account yeah and i think like that was a weird thing with the raiders that's how i know this (laughs) i think if if the if the league locks out it doesn't like eat up a year of your contract though okay i would would think it would roll like if you have a four-year deal um starting in 2020 you'd still have three years remaining if they locked out in 2021, I believe. But then there's so, also, I guess like you lose a year of like, yeah, I mean, I mean, physically like your body right. loses a year. And right. if, especially yep. if you're an older player, they might just cut you because right. like, and to make the yeah. ending of that deal. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Maybe as, as our chat is suggesting, Cram says maybe just short one year deals. Um, I think that's possible. I think in general, though, players just, they crave long-term deals for a little bit more stability and a little bit more money. So I don't, I don't think it's going to curb people that much to, to incentivize on short year deals, but I think maybe front loading might be a thing. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting th- thing to, to kind of keep out. Again, another topic that I haven't really seen talked about much, but should, could be interesting. Um, left uh, at Pride Detroit asked, do you think Slay will be traded? And if so, when? I, I could see. It. I feel like a lot of these off-season trades happen like that weird February window where technically they're not allowed to count until March, but like they happen in principle. Like Flacco got traded, Alex Smith got traded. I think a, a few others did. Um, 
probably then, but also maybe we let it, I mean, I don't, I'm not even confirmed that we're going to trade him, but like, maybe if we do trade him, we let it happen like right at the end of training camp or something or not right at the end of preseason. I feel like that's another time, right? Like when you're making those cuts and you're just like, I'm going to trade this guy. Yeah. I think, I think I'm officially on like, I think I mentioned this even on either last podcast or, or the midweek one. I think I'm officially on the side of they're not going to do it. You you could ask me a month ago and I would have given you a completely different answer, but I just don't think the team can afford it. Um, maybe the team is going to be willing to do a, a deal like they kind of did with Snacks and just give them a one or two year extension. Um, I don't know why they didn't do it before. It would have been cheaper before, but uh, I I just think where this team is at, where this front office is at and the pressure that's on them in 2020, getting rid of Slay is just, it's making a bad defense so much more worse. So I just don't think it's going to happen this year. He's entering a contract year, right? This is going to yeah. be his last year, twenty twenty. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like we did, we did trade. I feel, I feel like, like Patricia and Quinn, especially Patricia, they're very like, like they're guys. Like they're so into like this concept of like this is yeah. our guy. And Slay doesn't. He's not like their guy. Like if that, like he's a great player, but he's not like the type of player I feel like Patricia liked. I feel like they're so like stubbornly into that. They might like. I feel like they would trade him. Like if 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 another team is willing to pay enough, then they would be willing to trade it because I, they're. I feel like they're they're just so into this mindset. I, I think you're right in terms of personality. I don't think Darius Slay is their guy, but I think you know we were talking earlier about whether Matt Patricia values getting another edge rusher. I I think you're right in your intuition saying they don't. I think they're more like what the Patriots are doing right now, and they're just like, let's build our secondary. Let's get a bunch of, you know, they've drafted safeties in back-to-back years. They they spent all that money on Justin Coleman. They they know the value of coverage. And, you know, there's, there's actually a whole debate going on among the analytics community, whether oh, yeah. you build through the secondary or you build through a pass rush. And there's a lot of evidence lately that suggests you actually build through your secondary, you build through your coverage. And that's something that I think the Lions absolutely adhered to. And I think Darius Slay is a big part of that. I think he's easily their best guy on the secondary right now. Um, if they can just figure out what's going on opposite him, if if it's Mani Oruarie, if Justin Coleman can bounce back after a pretty bad year, maybe they do start to figure things out on defense. Um, but Darius Slay has to be a part of that in 2020. Otherwise, I don't know where they're going to go. Do you think they could spend pick three on Okuda? Okay. Like, is that yeah. like a real option? You think? Okay. Absolutely. I think. I think. Right now, he might be my my favorite, which is going to lead in to my next question. I was oh, really God. hoping Ryan was going to be on our on our podcast for this one, but let's get into it. You have a hundred dollars in imaginary chips. How are you spreading them amongst draft prospects for the third overall pick when you're betting <laughs> on who the Lions are going to pick? Oh man, I I don't think I can name enough of the like top top name prospect. Like I know Akuda, I know that. Uh, oh my god, I don't even know his name. So never, I don't know the other guy <laughs> that everyone's talking. Well, about. There's like two of them. There's Akuda, and then there's the defense interior defensive lineman, uh, Derek Young. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Those two, Young or Brown? Brown. Sorry. Brown. Jason. Right? Chase Young. Derek Brown. No, no, no. Into Derek Brown. Derek yeah, Brown. okay. I was Derek like, Brown. wait a minute. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's those it's those two. I feel like I would say uh seventy on Brown, thirty on Akuda. So you're not you're not even betting on anyone else. 
it would be shocking. Like I don't from what like we don't need to tackle. Uh, what, who else what the top like prospect? Jerry Judy, wide receiver. I wouldn't even like that. Like I I don't I don't know. Like what is that? Is I mean like he's a great player. He's very very good, and he would be amazing for this offense. But like. I would be kind of mad, like a wide receiver three with a third. Like we have Jones. Jones, I feel like he we're not cutting him or anything. Where he's probably going to stay. Galladay is, I believe. I guess, but like, I mean, you said a guy who. How do I how do I explain it? So you said like, I guess it's more like a a guy who makes an instant impact, and Judy can make an instant yeah. impact, but it's more just like can't the the impact he makes doesn't matter as much as the impact he makes compared to the guy he's replacing, like that gap. Right, like that. Mm-hmm. That's why people were very against like Hawkinson, kind of. Yeah. Where it's like, there's, there's, yeah. So like, is Jerry Judy significant, significantly better than whoever a wide receiver three is? Are we going to resign Amendola, whatever? As much as like Derek Brown would be for our interior defensive line, like is that? I don't know. It's it's up to you, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like a wide receiver three, as good as he is, like it's a third wide receiver. <laughs> I I think I'm still throwing ten bucks. 10 of that 100 on Jerry Judy. I'm throwing a big like 60 on Okuda. I really think it makes sense right now. I think he's physically the guy that they want. It's obviously a position of need. Um, even if you believe in Amani Oruari as being that cornerback two, well, now Jeff Okuda could be your cornerback one when Darius slays out the window. Um, so I'm putting at least 60 on him. I'd throw, what does that leave me with? I got 30 left. Give me 20 on Derek Brown because I think that's a good fit, although he, he kind of fits the Deshaun hand mold, so they, they don't need it as much as necessarily the other positions, although <clears throat> they certainly could use a second guy that can provide some interior pass rush. And then got 10 left. Let's throw it at the highest offensive tackle, so probably Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. That's his name. I was like Whitworth. It's not Whitworth. It's Andrew something though. And like, yeah, whenever I think of him, Whitworth comes to mind. Um, yeah, I think I think Brown could be huge. Like if if the scouting reports are right about him and he is this like star interior pass penetrator, like with a team who hates sending extra edge rushers, I feel like you know, I feel like people who can win pass rushing on their own without extra bodies are so valuable to a team that hates blitzing. So Brown, Young, Chase Young, uh someone like Jadavian Clowney in theory, like they, they would be so big for this team. Yeah. And I, I think both, Bob, I've heard both Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia talk about, yeah, a lot of people focus on the edge, but we really needed pass rush up, up the middle and didn't get it this year. So um, Derek Brown certainly makes sense as a pick as well. All right, let's move on to, I teased it before. And during the break, we talked about it a little bit, but Cab Butler asked, Best Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> We've recently learned that Montour not very well versed in in the in the Schwarzenegger universe. So I I I'm in this weird place with movies where I've seen none of the classics, but I've seen a lot of recent films. You're a young guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like something that's been popular in the last five years, I've probably seen it. Schwarzenegger, I why would I go watch Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? All the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care enough about film to want to go back and watch those. All right. Well, I'll provide my answer then. And it's, it's a tie between two. One is the running man, which is a ridiculous movie where he plays a contestant on a 
in a game show where everyone's just trying to survive like a death gauntlet essentially but it has the host from family feud the old host from family feud and i'm kind of a crazy like retro game show fan i used to watch game show network all the time so that's up there and then i really like true lies true lies with (laughs) of all people tom arnold uh really fun and entertaining action movie so those are my two Uh, let's, Can, let's cannot contribute it. or comment on this. I've seen neither of those movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Ryan probably would have been a, a nice host to have here, but <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from you. You're just, you're just you know, <laughs> twins. No, not twins. I will not allow twins to be an answer with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Kindergarten Cop, I will allow. That. Oh, I, okay. I said in the I've said in the break. I've seen it on TV. I think I've seen that one. That's a uh, there's like another teacher in the school that he's kind of into. They have like a, they they kind of have like a thing, and like the kids are like like they're really badass at the beginning, but by the end of it, they like he's like their dad, like they love him, right? Right? He's like a what Maybe. is he? he's like he's like I, sent by some government agency to be a you, teacher. You know more about the plot of Kindergarten Cop than people that have seen <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> I've seen it. I think. I think that's. I think that's why I know. I've seen it. Yeah. I, I've. That's the one I've seen on TV. This, <laughs> the mailbag is not going to hell. All right, Chris, chill out. <laughs> uh, all right. This might. It might be a little early for this, but uh, Cab Butler also asks your favorite free agent target for the Lions, while taking money into consideration. Hmm. I. I don't like I don't think there's a play like I guess this is what I was talking about earlier like do we want to go on another spending spree like do we are we going to add another like top tier free agent this off season should we like should we I mean I guess Quinn and Patricia might want to go all in so they don't get fired but I don't know like yeah I mean I guess if 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 I had my fantasy it would be Jadavian Clowney but that's probably not going to happen Okay. Do you do you think there's a position that's worth it? Like, let's put players aside right now. Is there a position to the line that you think the Lions should go all in on? Hmm. No. I mean, if we let Glasgow walk, I think we should throw money at Brandon Sheriff. Yeah. But I think... I don't know. I feel like every position isn't good enough, but also we don't, we have too much money invested in it or, or, or it's like, like safety. We don't have a lot of money invested in it, but I feel like we're, we're fine. Like we, we shouldn't bring in a top tier player in it. Yeah. I can't think, I don't think there's really a, like certain position. I feel like it's so many little things we need everywhere other than yeah. like an edge rusher. That's fair. All right. I think now that Chris is, typing in all caps about how awesome of a movie total recall is it's about time to wrap things up <laughs> uh thank you everybody for listening thank you monster for for filling in this week uh no problem. Appreciate you. uh if you're listening via podcast you can always join our chats at 8 p.m eastern sunday nights where we're doing this live on twitch.tv slash pride of detroit if you want to get involved in other ways you can always send us questions via hashtag ask on twitter or via that that weekly thread on pride of com. anyways that's it for this week's show 
Stick to next week. We'll be talking more offseason, more NFL playoffs, more anything you guys ask us to talk about. We'll do it because we're whores for money. (laughs) 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 Holy crap. Uh, Seaside. Starside. Seaside. Lakeside, Michigan. Lakeside. Michigan. Lakeside. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful ending. I love it. (laughs) 